Hey, what's going on, my friends? Dr. Drill with the Making Motivation Podcast. It is the 29th of July, Thursday night. Storms just coming in. Rain for an hour or so straight, and now it's uh, looks like a little bit of something else, something left on the horizon, perhaps. I was considering going to the gym. As I've told you, I'm fucking all riled up about hitting that Planet Fitness I just joined. But, uh, and it's great that there's different locations around. There's one close to my teaching at Gwinnett Mercy University. I'll hit that between classes, before and after, etc. I hit my first roadblocks. Uh, I was trying to, hey, look, it'd be great to go there every day. Um, I'm busy, man. Holy shit. Today, on a Thursday, I saw almost 20 patients. That's in what should be a half a day. Basically, it turned out to be a full day for me. Look at these guys. They look pretty rough. Pretty fucking rough. Hope that I don't get hit by lightning. But it could be an improvement. I'm kidding. You know, I wish that on them. Um, <clears throat> all right, let's get right to it. Coming to an end of a, of a long week, first week back from from vacation, and it feels like uh, vacation was six months ago, you know, but it's okay. I'm happy to be back. It's been great. I've been, I've been spending a lot of time in the office helping a lot of people. I'm very ambitious about um, the future, and I'm happy. I feel fulfilled. I feel rested from vacation and excited for the next one and planning and growth and development and optimistic about life on earth. However, I had a great conversation with some uh, patients this evening, father, son, and they're really smart guys. The father is, they had like a, a degree in it, uh, applied mathematics and uh, another degree in astronomy. We're talking about everything from uh, should we terraform Mars, uh, should we take care of the earth and salvage it, and he said we should do both, he believes, right, because we're fucking up the earth, right, talked about the futility of trying to extract uh, infinite resources from a finite planet, all that stuff, well, that's what he's saying, when you've studied other worlds, right, when you've studied um, the solar, our solar system, and far beyond that, that apparently there's really not, you know, life, much life out there. Like the, the likelihood that we would be, we would be able to um, find a, a place to live or find life within our midst, like within our technological reach, which is fairly substantial, you know, considering where we, we come from, right? It's not really good. There's not a lot of, there's not, like, the, the, the likelihood of intelligent life within our, our reach is very, very low. Improbable. You know, who knows? There's certainly possible that um, somewhere beyond that, in other galaxies, and other solar systems, there is some kind of life, intelligent, or you know, it might not be recognizable to us as anything that, you know, be humanoid or anything like that, but... It's interesting. So we talked about aliens. We talked about um, the the meteor that I have at the office, the meteorite. Uh, we 
talked about terraforming Mars and and uh, he said that his wife as an electrical engineer she's working on projects right now that involve um, you know certain materials you need materials to uh, produce these whatever chips circuits gadgetry involved in um, computers and such and that the resources are not there at this time. They're not available, right? Um, or they're, they're slow to, to come. So, and a lot of our, our minerals and stuff that, we, um, that do exist are extracted or mined from China. So we need to start doing that here. We need to find ways to create new materials and, and salvage the ones we have and all this stuff. It's just very interesting, really smart smart guys, people that I'm, I'm picking their brains. I'm so honored to have people like this that are, are relatively deep thinkers. That people that might be, I said, yeah, all right, guys, you're rising against the machine. He's like, yeah, that's not, none of the AI and all that stuff is going to be like Terminators. None of that stuff's going to be um, unless we generate a, uh, a organic brain not going to be able to, they're not going to be autonomous or be any threat to us, and yada, yada, yada. Look at this guy, hands in his pockets, get your, get your hands out of your pockets, dude. Hiding something from me? Alright, so, so that was a great conversation, I could expound on that for a while. But, uh, you know, I've talked about these issues before. It's just interesting when you talk to people that really have knowledge to their credit, that are very intelligent um, individuals. It's inspiring. It, it makes you, it makes me come alive in my office because I'm, I'm, you know, talking and spinning our wheels and taking in what they're saying. And I'm thinking uh, myself and I'm learning and, and we're, I'm joking about things like, okay, I guess... Towards the end of the adjustment, I said, okay, guys, I guess we know what we need to do. You know, the future of, the, of civilization depends upon us. And I was kidding, but also ah, just kind of falling into a little fantasy narrative about, like, some, you know, really, what it's going to take for us to, our civilization to improve and advance in a measured way that's going to do our evolution in the future credit. It's interesting. All right, I'm going to head into the store here, get a little uh, four-pack of beer, I think, and uh, cause it's been a long day, and I can just use to take a little sip with my dinner. Um, let me get an IPA. I think I'm going to get a Stone IPA. I really like that company. Stone IPA. Um... When I come back, I'm going to talk about the uh, strength in numbers. We're going to talk a little bit about a conversation I had with another friend that involves the um, the Capitol riot. All right. He said he watched the entire six hours of the proceedings for the Capitol riot. And I've, I've read some snippets and seen some video. And I don't know if I could do six hours of it, but it would be... I think everybody probably should. 
I think everybody should should see the whole deal. Whole deal. So interesting guy. Uh, I'll tell you the story about this. Some, some thoughts that I have after I come back. <laughs> All right, here I am. I'm back. Well, you guys were waiting with bated breath. Um, freaking sun is going down. It's 8 p.m. A little bit ahead of my usual time to head home, which is close to 9 freaking p.m. Because I'm insane. This sun is so so orange it's unbelievable I mean that is a freaking crazy orange sun look at that shit some say that 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 is due to the uh, smoke from all the fires that are burning out west A lot of folks probably wouldn't believe that. They'll think that it could possibly something happening thousands of miles away could impact us over here, but <clears throat> people are stupid. So okay, so here's here's the deal. So another very interesting patient, a friend of mine. He's always everybody's my friend. In case you haven't figured that out yet. Even the people that I will complain about, even the people that I encounter in my uh, work day, or somebody under my care, or some, somebody I, that, that people that are not getting invites to for a good Thanksgiving dinner, um, I enjoy my stories with them. I, I, I enjoy my time with them. I love them all in, in my own way, um, in their own way, for their own, as I talked about a lot, our ups and downs, our strengths and weaknesses, we all have our faults, and so none of us are perfect, uh, least of which is myself, so, I had a conversation with this guy, great dude, he's talking about, he watched all six hours of the Capitol riot uh, footage, uh, not the footage, but the proceedings before Congress, or before whatever, down there in D.C. So, where these police officers had opportunities to speak and to be interviewed uh, about the events. And basically, you know, what I've read and what I believe to be factual about this is that these guys were fucking, there was some crazy um, mission that they all felt that they were on, and the mission was facilitated by tremendous amounts of misinformation about elections being stolen and um, conspiracies and all this stuff. Organizations like QAnon and all this shit, spinning yarns and um, riling up their, you know, the right, the far right. And so you've got thousands of people's people who were at this protest and the president had invited them all to come there, encouraged them all to come there. Um, other politicians did the same. And so people came for their cause. You know, there's half of the freaking population or a good percentage of the population were voting for Donald Trump. And so they felt like 
it wasn't a fair election or, you know, whatever, that they weren't going to stand for this. So they went and they, they showed up to protest. And some of them were, um, were prepared to, um, to fight, you know, to storm the Capitol, and they did. And I'm sure a lot of other people were carried along with that current, that um, that energy. When people started moving, started marching, started climbing up the stairs, and climbing up the walls and breaking windows. I'm sure that there are people that found themselves doing things that they really regret. And they feel, many of them have already said that they feel like they were betrayed by by Trump because he told them to go there and then he doesn't have their back, you know? So, uh, not to get into the little Trump thing, I won't give that guy too much airtime, but um, this is more about the philosophy and, and the phenomenon of people with a cause. And I, I made the point, I, 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 the, the philosophy, that what brought us out of the caves was our cooperation, was our tendencies to bond together in tribes and conquer obstacles, whether the obstacles were, you know, predators or rival gangs, rival clans, rival uh, clans, rival cave people, uh, whether it was the oceans or the mountains or the deserts or... Uh, starting to grow and cultivate agriculture or start new languages, like we had to cooperate. And that cooperation, that bond, that teamwork made the dream work. And that's how, more or less, how we survived, how our species was able to rise up and our brain case was able to expand to facilitate this very complex supercomputer that we have between our ears called the cerebrum, you know, and that same cooperation, that same impulse to work together is at work in our darkest moments when we do stupid shit, when people just follow the, you know, the the mob and, you know, terrible things can happen, wonderful things can happen and terrible things can happen when this occurs cooperate for good, you can cooperate for evil, you can cooperate thinking that you're doing good and the result winds up being evil or bad or, you know, undesirable. And so, you know, people find themselves on different sides of issues, you know, left versus right, um, whatever, east versus west, all the competition we see at work in the Olympics, you think about that over histor- history, watching it and uh, knowing a little bit about the history of the Olympics and different countries. You know, we, we always pitted the, uh, the Russians and the Chinese as other. And, uh, you know, anybody who was a really strong force and an uh, organized threat to our, our winning an event or the games overall, we, we want to win. I mean, the, the goal is to win. There's nothing wrong with with striving to succeed and to beat, you know, to be the best as an individual, as a nation. You know, we want to be really, really good. But with being successful, 
there comes a responsibility to also be responsible, I think, and to be sensitive. You know, to be if you're strong, it's great to be sensitive too. I have long thought this. I try to be like this. I try to be, um, you know, I talked about in the past my quest to be an alpha male. I wanted to be big and strong. I wanted to, you know, be like, uh, you know, I was looking for a challenge. I'm a young man. I got testosterone going through my veins of competition. Or, the, you know, girls going to find me attractive. Or, you know, I don't want any bullies to be able to pick on me. I'm going to grow big and strong and fast and capable. And nobody's going to want to fuck with me. And I did that. You know, there's always somebody bigger, stronger, faster, smarter, etc. But I kind of arrived at what I feel is a very comfortable place in terms of my position in society. Studied my ass off, got a bunch of degrees, succeeded in, you know, getting set up in my practice, um, survived for 16 years so far, ran a boot camp that was renowned in, in my area, made a bunch of money, made a bunch of people, um, helped them succeed, did a lot of good, I feel. I got myself to a position. I feel like I worked hard to appreciate whatever results that I've I've gotten, you know? Anyway, I'm saying as a result of that, I also at some point I feel like I was like, you know, I'm very pleased with my success in these areas, but also I don't want to be a dickhead about it. Don't want to be some like you know, you think Tom Brady, not that I'm anywhere near this guy, but, you know, like a Tom Brady, you think that he really walks around um, uh, being concerned with threats, um, you know, to his athleticism, to his uh, intellect, to his position. Sure, he's a competitor, but it doesn't mean he's fucking always looking over his shoulder. I mean, he does literally in football, but... Um, the guy's gotten to a spot where he doesn't, he's done everything he needs to do. So he doesn't need to prove anything to anyone, really except himself. And he continues to do that. That's what he wants to do. But I think if you met him, you'd probably be like, oh, he's a nice guy. You know, he's humble. Because everyone knows he's Tom Brady. And he doesn't need to, you know, pull his dick out all the time. So I'm saying is extrapolate that to society now. Uh, Extrapolate that to any success that we appreciate in the Olympics as an athlete or as a nation um, and or politically if your candidate wins. All right, that's great. But it's not like we need to fucking... It needs to be... It's like our king won. These are people that we... We hire, essentially. We vote for. Even if you didn't vote for uh, Joe Biden, others did. And this is a democracy, and this is the way things are supposed to work. And we supposedly are the adoration of much of the world, uh, of many countries of which have, have just gained democracy, where they can have free and fair elections without worrying about people getting killed. 
So this isn't supposed to happen in America. In America, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to ha- supposed to have uh, transcended this sort of thing. Now, you know, there's quotes and stuff. People need the democracy needs to be uh, replenished with the blood of whatever you know, free men or something like that. But you know. It's been hundreds of years since we separated ourselves from Britain, supposedly because we wanted the opportunity to, um, you know, to do our own thing. We wanted our independence. We wanted our to be the freedom to uh, pursue our own religion, our own success. And America's been a wonderful place. But we remember a lot of these lessons, and we covet them. We um, fancy ourselves patriots, uh, but we forget sometimes that there are 300 million plus people in this country that also have the right, you know, to pursue their interests. And stranger things have happened than humans uh, bonding together in groups and becoming tribal again and saying, well, we don't want that. You want that. You like this guy, but he doesn't stand for what we stand for. So we're going to, we're not going to stand for that. We, we, we're not going to accept this election. We're going to attempt a coup. And a coup is when, because people don't like, people or politicians or leaders, people in a society don't like the results that they're getting, the result that, that manifests, well, they, they start to say, okay, we're not going to accept it. We're not going to accept the win. And that's what happened at the, uh, on January 6th. And so I'm thinking again about strength in numbers and about, you know, what went on there. I, you know, you look at these, I, I'm wondering, like, what could be, what, what could people really come together about and uh, over and agree upon? And I would think that, I would hope that our civil servants, our police officers, who were specifically charged with protecting our democracy, protecting the elected leaders of our democracy and democracy itself, thereby, that it would be it would be um, there would be some empathy in terms of these credible accounts that they are um, voicing in front of um, Congress, and they're saying that basically they were freaking mauled, they were tased, they were mauled, they were called. Uh, racial epithets multiple times you know they were beaten with flagpoles they were crushed in doors they were you know had to plead for their lives and individuals uh, officers were saying that after a tour or two in Iraq this is they've never been more frightened than working and protecting their own democracy you know, protecting these leaders, who many of whom, or some of whom, have said uh, it was a peaceful protest, and it was just like, you know, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that fiery, it wasn't that dangerous a mob, and all that stuff. Like we got footage of it. You know, people died, and you know, people committed crimes. Um, 
And I don't care what side it's coming from, Democrat or Republican, you know, what, what the spirit of the day is, even if they feel like they're standing for something. You know, peaceful protest is one thing. Nobody would say boo shit or beans about it if it was a peaceful protest. But, you know, storming the Capitol, um, attacking officers, threatening their lives. It's terrible. And it happened. And it happened on the outgoing president's watch because he encouraged it. So now my friend here tells me, he says, well, you know, one thing that really gets me is that, you know, if the people that are, you know, hundreds of them have been charged and they're going to go to jail and some of them are going to go to jail for a long time. What of the individuals who incited the riot? You know, namely Trump, namely um, these other politicians, conservative politicians who um, encouraged this behavior, you know, and who still say that it wasn't a big deal and try to, you know, whitewash the whole thing. Do they, should they hold, should they bear responsibility for this? Someone used an analogy, if you hire a hitman and the hitman kills or maims somebody, you know, Olympics, Nancy Kerrigan gets frickin' beat on the knee by somebody that uh, Tanya Harding hired to do so, or told her to do so, or whatever, and if that can be proven, then Tanya Harding should pay as well as the hitman. Terrible thing to do, and that's on Olympic level. Now, what about, you know, in our, regarding our democracy? terrible thing to do. It's a terrible thing to have done because if you're somebody who's holding the, uh, you know, the firing pistol, you know, to start a race, you're the one who's holding the reins back on the machinery of your, in this case, political party, your, and, and the constituents who are fired up and are believing all kinds of things. You bear responsibility, you know, to do the right thing. And you got to understand that you could unleash the hounds of hell on people. There's a huge responsibility. These are the same people, you know, the president and, and, you know, Congress. These are the individuals that are going to be responsible for sending forces into battle and for deploying resources and arms against enemies foreign and domestic. The decisions that they're making, the, the, their rhetoric, their guidance, their orders, their covert suggestions in the case of January 6th, or not so covert, covert direction, uh, directives. They can make wonderful or terrible things happen. It's like, I'm trying to think of an example. It's like, uh, I don't know. We're at a freaking Rolling Stones concert and Mick Jagger says, hey, everybody, you know, that guy, that guy who just uh, tried to storm the stage, you know, kill him. People kill him. They will freaking stomp that person because uh, Mick Jagger told them to do it. 
get me that individual, you know? Now, I hope Mick would never do that, I don't think, but you understand what I'm saying? So, it's a terrible thing that happened, and when it comes to cooperation and uh, people's motivations to do things and teamwork, I mean, we've all seen it. Have you ever uh, been out on the highway when a biker gang drives by? And uh, there are dozens, maybe maybe hundreds in some cases. And there's such a, a, a strength around that. There's such a spirit uh, and an attitude that is carried with those bikers. And they might be, even be doing a Toy for Tots run, but they don't give a fuck. They're they're riding, they're riding and you're not going to do anything. Nobody can do anything about it. There's a power there. Or have, have you ever been out and there's a large group of people and they're you know, drinking and they're being really obnoxious. You're not going to... You're not going to be winning that battle, my friends. You know, I recounted to to the friend I was talking to, uh, you know, about this issue that, um, you know, when I was in the Marines, we would... I would feel this way. And I, I, I built DDIP around my experience, that brotherhood in the Marine Corps, that that feeling of, like, I belong, and I earned it, I'm in this gang, and we are, we all got tattoos, and we're big and strong, and nobody can beat us, that's where, that's what the Marine Corps, um, and NFL teams, and rugby squads, and, um, service organizations and unions and there's a feeling of togetherness, of a commonality of a, of a common bond, of a um, of power that is undeniable and those who command it and wield it it's, it's an unbelievable thing and so hopefully their motivations are good Think about Braveheart, where you know they were taking the battlefield, and the one guy uh, was supposed to, you know, was supposedly on board with the cause, and then you know he told all his soldiers just to walk away, you know, walk off the battlefield. They left Braveheart there, left him to die, you know, like that was bad motivation. You know, finally I'll say this: any organization that I've been a part of, I'm proud to say they've been for good. You know, the Marines, the whole idea now is to, that we're going to fight for right and freedom. Fight for right and freedom and to keep our honor clean. So honor, you know, that means to me like you're doing right. You're doing something, you're fighting for right, so we're going to be on the good side. And for freedom, you know, that's what we want. That's what we stand for in America, right? Freedom, you know. Our ability to our, our, democ- our ability to choose our leaders and to have rights that are uh, inalienable and uh, you know live the American dream, fight for right and freedom, and to keep our honor clean. That means to me, at the end of the day, you're able to look yourself in the mirror and be satisfied, like I'm doing the right thing. And so, I'm sure that there have been campaigns and battles and all kinds of shit. Uh, in the military, I know that this is a fact that have been unjust, that have hurt good people, 
and people get caught in crossfires and all that shit, and it's terrible. But the ambition is pure. We're going to do the right thing, you know. But those who command that those forces, of course, aren't the leaders, aren't the um, the military. They're, it's the politicians, and their motivations are notoriously uh, complex. Shall we say? So then I, you know, I think about TDIP. Uh, so I, I patterned it behind the military. Behind uh, initially it was called military calisthenics, and DDIP was a group of hundreds and and thousands across the years, individuals who trained and were uh, were empowered and motivated by fitness and health. It was an extrapolation of good things of, of, of health and fitness and motivation. It was like a, I was a cheerleader for health and fitness. And so many people joined on and served as leaders in this organization over the years. I had managers and squad leaders and honor grads and award winners and, and, and people that helped me organize it and keep it together. They believed enough in the in the tenets of, of DDIP, the mission was to discipline, motivate, educate, and exercise the public to an optimal state of health. And so, had a lot of people on that team, uh, shoulder to shoulder with me in that movement. And I'm proud to say, we did a lot of good. We did a I did a lot of good. But I can think of times, you know, like when I was in the Marines where um, people would fuck up. Because we're all human, right? So people do dumb shit. You'd be out and about. You you know, so we pull into a port and we go out. And the first thing young men want to do, young people in general, want to go out and, and, you know, find the opposite sex or and get have some beverages and um, kick back and, and cut loose. You know, this is the, this is one of the side effects of being um, in the military, being a warrior, is that you do all that discipline, you do all the the training, you, you fine tune your body, you know your weapon systems, you you know you square yourself away, and then you just want to fucking cut loose and get laid and and beat the shit out of each other. And anybody who threatens you, I talked about uh, previously. I talked about breaking ranks. So anybody who insults your unit or pushes around one of us, pushes around all of us. And so we'd pull into a port and go out there in town and get drunk and the inhibitions are lowered and somebody would get in a fight and we would all, you know, just throw down. There was always the, the, um, always the potential for that. And it was incredibly, so the opportunity was always there for tremendous danger um, when you're around our units. And stories have been told about units even within the same military, even within the Marine Corps, rival units fighting and beating the shit out of each other and people getting really fucked up, you know. And But the reality was that if if one of my guys was in, in trouble, it was, my, it was my honor, my duty rather, <coughs> and an honor, 
to save them because in a time of war, our lives would depend upon one another. So in the time of peace, same deal. And so many times we would go into ports and we'd get in fights and get in scuffles and, and people would do a lot of stupid shit. Marines or human beings, they would make a lot of mistakes. And uh, in one place we pulled into in Yugoslavia, it was Albania, so former Yugoslavia, uh, it was a shithole. And these uh, Marines from our uh, Bravo company had gone into this bar and they were trying to, you know, the locals didn't like it, that the, they were trying to make off with the women and insults and, you know, brashness and all that shit. You know, these guys come off the ship that's in the harbor there and they just take over your town and go into your bar and start shit. And they were fist flying and later there was some bullets so, uh, a guy got shot, lost a kidney. There was all kinds of, you know, shit that would happen. That was an extreme, but that happened in Albania. And we weren't allowed to go off the ship after that. Reportedly, the guy who had done that drive-by and, and, and shot those guys, he, um, he was hung, captured and hung. Like a thug or a mob guy or whatever the fuck he was. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe I'll Google that. But anyway, my point is this: sometimes we go out and do stupid shit, and you know, your our name would be sullied, our unit would be sullied. Uh, if there was always a threat, like we would, our during these liberty briefs, liberty is like your time off, right? So. During these liberty briefs, our, our commanders would issue to all these young men standing around, hundreds of us. Hey, don't screw up. Don't go out in town. Don't drive drunk. Don't do anything lame because you're gonna, you know, you know, if you don't die or hurt yourself or you hurt somebody else, and then you're gonna get kicked out of the Marine Corps or you're gonna die yourself or whatever. So. Um, there was these like warnings, very stern warnings, don't fuck up. And it's because time and again, Marines would go out and they'd get drunk and they'd get in fights and they'd, you know, it's it's egg on the face of the unit then. And so to fight for right and freedom and to keep our honor clean. And my point is then that if you're part of any organization, you have the responsibility to to do your part and to not do dumb shit. And the problem is that, you know, as I said, it's very delicate. If you have, if you're in command of something and, you know, you have some influence over your, under, over other people, they'll follow you, man. And terrible things can occur and it'll disgrace your unit, disgrace your, uh, your political party, disgrace your democracy. And I believe that January 6th was a disgrace, uh, disgraceful um, challenge to our democracy that was driven by misinformation and willful ignorance. And it could have been reined in and prevented by, uh, by Trump and by uh, 
the Republican Party representatives. Instead, uh, we allowed things to escalate and become very volatile, and a shitstorm ensued. And people died, and people were misled, and uh, it's a terrible thing. So that sucks, man, when something like that happens. It's disgraceful. You know, we're supposed to be better than that, right? We're supposed to be, uh, it's supposed to be us against the world, maybe. You know, maybe if you want to make it against China or Russia because they're big, uh, literally big organized threats to uh, what we feel are our values, which are better, we feel, then um, then at the very least, let's go after them, you know, not necessarily militarily, but uh, philosophically, you know, let's go and beat them, beat the other guy, don't beat each other, don't beat the fucking cops that are trying to uh, protect and serve our democracy. So it's stupid. It was stupidity, and I'm glad it's coming to light, and I hope that people who are even the most ignorant will see that, uh, you know, at the very least, it was, um, it went entirely too far, and we can't afford this sort of thing to happen again. That's my thoughts.